Long History's Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 23, William Lamb, Viscount Melbourne and the women in his life. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History's Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. This is where we literally take a Prime Minister at random and then ask a few questions such as what were their background, how did they get in office and how did they leave office. We also give a flavour of the times and look at some of the things that might have been in the headlines around then. Don't forget that we've got a lot of episodes now of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. They'll be available on your podcast provider or they're all gathered together on our website longhistory.net. That's long history or one word. Today we've got a Prime Minister who was in the job for about six or seven years and he's famous really for having two lives both of which involved a significant woman. He was Prime Minister during that decade of transformation, the 1830s, between the 16th of July 1834 and the 14th of November 1834. And then, after a brief gap, he quickly returned to the job on the 18th of April 1835 and remained until the 30th of August 1841. And a quick fact here is that the city of Melbourne in Australia was named after this gentleman. So here we go with random UK Prime Minister of the Week number 23, William Lamb. As we cover the UK Prime Ministers, women are, unfortunately, only very rarely going to be the protagonist of these episodes. Of 57 Prime Ministers, as we record this episode, only three have been women. But in these tales of men, women, of course, are often very important, and particularly in the case of William Lamb, Viscount Melbourne. Indeed, the most important Victorian woman of all would play a large part in William Lamb's time as Prime Minister. The clue is in the word Victorian itself. And yes, William Lamb was Queen Victoria's first Prime Minister. As such, there's a good chance you might have seen him in any film or drama about the early life of Queen Victoria. He will always appear in any drama about Victoria's early years as Queen. He was apparently very close to the Queen in her earliest years as monarch before her husband, Prince Albert, came along, and he played a pivotal role in setting her up for her role in the decades to come. So she was one of the women in Viscount Melbourne's life, but there is another significant one who, in a very different way, was also in no way in William Lamb's shadow. What was William Lamb like? This is random UK Prime Minister of the Week, and due to the brevity of the episode, we will focus mostly on his time as Prime Minister. William Lamb was 55 when he reached the top job, and he'd already lived a life, which we'll look at in a bit of detail later. However, it seems that by the time he'd become Prime Minister, he was a somewhat patrician, genteel, old man, at least superficially. One biography states that he had all the attributes to be one of the great Prime Ministers, but there was no drama to elevate him to the top, no battle to fight, no war to win, something that will always gain a Prime Minister extra points in any ranking. And in that sense, if we agree with this biographer, he wasn't quite given the chance to shine, although not being in a war is obviously a good thing. On the other hand, there is an argument that this lack of standing out, this lack of great passion for reform was deliberate. William Lamb offered a bit of stability, a sigh of relief after some years of fundamental change for the country, and with the dawning of that new Victorian era. He was the member of a party called the Whigs, at a time when parties and elections were becoming more consequential for the country. 
He seems to have been a centrist who did not hold strong ideological opinions, nor did he approve of radical reform, but that isn't necessarily a good thing. In his personal life we've mentioned that there were two significant women in his life. One was Queen Victoria and the other was his wife, who he married at the age of 26, well before Queen Victoria was Queen. There is a thread through his life of enjoying the company of strong-willed, even powerful women. There were whiffs of scandal in his life, he was subject to blackmail, being accused of having an affair with another woman. So maybe there was a little more to this man than this patrician, polite, centrist surface he showed to the public. The historical background. It's a strange one, but these Prime Ministers literally are chosen at random. We've covered a few now, and it's a surprise that we've covered no Victorian Prime Ministers yet. We've actually managed to cover two Edwardian Prime Ministers, even though Edward was only on the throne for nine years, was it? Victoria, on the other hand, was on the throne for well over 60 years. And William Lamb was not only the first Victorian Prime Minister we've covered, he was also Victoria's first Prime Minister as she ascended to the throne. The 1830s, in this way, was very much a transitional decade for the UK's history. There were two main Prime Ministers in this decade, Charles Grey, who dominated the first half between 1830 and 1834, while William Lamb, the Prime Minister in this episode, dominates the rest of the decade. The former brought about lots of change in the country, while Lamb was brought in after, perhaps to tamper it down and let it bed in with a period of calm. As well as two Prime Ministers, there were two monarchs in this decade, with William IV's short reign entirely taking place in the 1830s. He reigned for seven years, followed by his niece Victoria. One detail of the 1830s is that the transportation of convicts to Australia peaked at this time. The Australian city of Melbourne, as we've mentioned, was founded in 1835, and it was named after this gentleman. The Australian city of Adelaide was also founded in this decade, and that was named after William IV's Queen. The United Kingdom at the time. At the beginning of the 1830s, there were just over 16.5 million people in the UK. This was a decade when things really began to take off for the country. During this decade, the Industrial Revolution and the British Empire were both expanding quickly. This was the decade when the postal service was standardised and the first uniform stamps were introduced, towards the end of Lamb's time in office. The average weekly earnings of a labourer in the summer of 1834, for example, when Lamb first took up office, was around 10 shillings and 5 pence, which is about £43 or around $53 per week. The United States at the time. We'll take a brief look across the Atlantic at the US. Arkansas became a state of the United States in 1836, during Lamb's time as Prime Minister. In that same year, Texas began its brief stint as an independent republic, its country status ending ten years later. Michigan became a state in 1837, while Van Buren became the eighth president that year, replacing Andrew Jackson. Who could vote? We like to ask who could vote at the time so we can look at the evolution of democracy over the years. This was the decade when the Victorian era began, and what change came with it? Well, the Great Reform Act of 1832 had been implemented only two years before Lamb became Prime Minister, and just five years before Victoria inherited the throne. This act was a fundamental change for the country, 
giving the vote to a wider range of property owners, extended the vote to a slightly lower class of people. This act finally got rid of those rotten boroughs which had so few voters that they could easily be bought and manipulated. The result of this act was that the electorate more than doubled, from just over 215,000 voters to more than 430,000. But before we get carried away, that was still only just over 2.5% of the population. There was still lots of development in democracy to go yet. And unfortunately, this act also formalised the inability of women to vote. Previously, some titled landowning women had been able to vote. What was William Lamb's background? Although we've been focusing on his time as Prime Minister, William Lamb is also famous for having another life. As we briefly alluded to, the principal one here will be his time as Prime Minister, but the other one relates to his wife. His family wasn't from a long line of aristocrats. His grandfather had become a baronet, and he had a background as a barrister and a politician. His official father, and there are some rumours that he was illegitimate, had become the first Viscount Melbourne when he was promoted to become an Irish peer. This is the title that William Lamb inherited. He was born in London in 1779, and his establishment background means there are no surprises about his education. He was one of the 20 Etonian Prime Ministers we've had, and one of the 14 Prime Ministers who studied at Cambridge University. He served as a captain and a major in the Napoleonic Wars. The most famous detail of his earlier life, however, was his relationship with his wife, as we've mentioned. She was called Caroline Ponsonby, who he married in 1805 when she was only 19 and he was 26. They had only one surviving child who had intellectual issues and would die at the age of 30. Caroline Ponsonby, however, is most famous for the affair that she had with the poet Lord Byron when he was 24 and she was 26. This love affair did not last and resulted in Caroline dramatically slashing her wrists one time. She is portrayed as being obsessed with Byron into her later life. She published a book called Glenarvan, which fictionalised her life in a book that splits opinion even to this day. Some call it pulp fiction, whilst others stress its literary merits. By the time Caroline and William officially separated in 1825, they'd both been having affairs. She would eventually die in 1828, aged 42, apparently due to some mental illness. It's striking, however, that there is another version of these events which could portray her as a powerful, independent and artistic woman with a slightly dull husband who attempted to step out of the shadows of the men around her and have her own literary career. This portrayal of women around this time as being shrill and hysterical seems to be a bit of a trope. Apparently, she came up with the phrase mad, bad and dangerous to know when describing Byron. Lamb's political career began in 1816 when he became a Member of Parliament representing Peterborough. He inherited his father's title in 1828, and that way moving into the House of Lords. He entered government and became Home Secretary when Charles Grey, his predecessor, became Prime Minister. How did William Lamb become Prime Minister? That predecessor, Charles Grey, also known as the famous Earl Grey, had put through lots of reforms during his time in office. It was only with great diligence that he'd managed to push through these reforms, particularly the Great Reform Act. 
but he'd also pushed through an act abolishing slavery in the British Empire. Charles Grey resigned over the issue of the treatment of Catholics, and after all this reform, the diplomatic and centre-ground William Lamb, who was a member of the same political party, was appointed as Grey's successor. So in this way, the pendulum swung away from reform towards a period of consolidation. Lamb didn't support the Great Reform Act and hadn't supported the abolition of slavery. This was a man who didn't like change, which leads to views which seem pretty indefensible today. At this point, Victoria wasn't the Queen yet. We were still in that short seven years between the Four Georges and the long reign of Queen Victoria, when William IV was king. So this king had had to put up with all these shocking reforms that had given more people the vote, and he was a bit fed up of all this change. And even with the less reformist William Lamb in office, he still wanted to give the other party a chance to form the government. This was apparently the last time in history that the king has ever exerted this ultimate power to force a prime minister to leave office and essentially to try and impose his own prime minister. However, these attempts stalled five months on after two more prime ministers and an election which decisively backed the Whigs, that is to say William Lamb's party, everyone had to admit that it was the Whig party that should be in charge, which put Lamb back at the top. It was actually a significant moment for British democracy, when the vote proved more powerful than the monarch. What were William Lamb's biggest achievements as Prime Minister? He did have quite a relatively long time in office, but as I've said, he's most famous for being quite centrist and not bringing about much change after that earlier period of lots of change. However, he did introduce a bill that changed the lives of many people, which was to legalise marriage for religious denominations other than members of the Church of England, Jews and Quakers. This meant that atheists and Catholics could have legitimate marriages in Great Britain and the UK. In this way, Lamb did improve the lives of women, giving Catholic women legal redress if their husbands left them. And this same act also legalised civil, that is, non-religious marriages for the first time. It's not all good, however. One reform that was passed during Lamb's first brief time in office was the Poor Law Amendment Act, which promulgated the attitude that relief should be given to the poor, but that it should always come with strings attached. The workhouses that were set up for the poorest people had to be worse than the life of the poorest workers living outside the workhouse. This turned them into something similar to prisons involving poor nutrition and hard labour. This is something that often cropped up in Charles Dickens' novels. There is a sense in the reading that William Lamb was destined to become one of those stopgap prime ministers who hangs around until someone better comes along. However, it seems that the establishment was quite happy to have a less reformist prime minister in office after the shocks of the previous government. So he stayed in the job a little longer than expected, with one more big change for the country to come. William IV died on the 20th of June 1837, only a month after Queen Victoria had celebrated her 18th birthday. So she was the very youngest she could be as a queen without needing a regent to rule until she became an adult. She was crowned one year later, and Lamb was Prime Minister during the whole of that period, and he became something of a favourite of the new queen, particularly helping her to establish her independence away from her mother. He seems to have become something of a father figure, and he seems to be quite happy in that patrician role. It was kind of a late renaissance for Lamb, 
and his most memorable period in the historical limelight. Why did Lamb stop being Prime Minister? Despite being so moderate, Lamb's time in office wasn't without its controversy. One was over the treatment of a lady-in-waiting of Queen Victoria, when gossip spread from the royal household about this lady-in-waiting being pregnant, when in fact she turned out to be suffering from a liver tumour which eventually killed her. This gossip had been allowed to spread nevertheless, which put the Queen and the Prime Minister in a poor light. There was also another controversy called the Bedchamber Crisis, which began in May 1839 when Lamb threatened to resign after support for him waned and a vote to tighten the anti-slavery rules in Jamaica only barely passed. This whole crisis revolved around who were chosen as the ladies-in-waiting of the Queen. Apparently, the majority were related to Whig politicians, that's Lamb's political party, and apparently she refused to replace those with a more balanced or more explicitly neutral set of ladies. The Queen was tacitly said to be showing her preference for Lamb as Prime Minister over the opposition alternative, Robert Peel. And Peel, as a result, would not attempt to form a new government, leaving Lamb still in charge. Lamb stayed in the job for another two years, but his popularity seemed to seep away, and in an election in the summer of 1841, the Conservatives, the opposition headed by Robert Peel, swept Lamb and the Whigs aside and entered government. Why should we remember William Lamb? Above all, William Lamb is best remembered as Queen Victoria's first Prime Minister, the one who guided her through the earliest years of her reign before she married her prince. Other than that, the most memorable details of his life are those of his dominant wife, her famous affair with Byron, and his disabled son dying at the age of 30. It has been said that William Lamb's affection for the Queen was a result of losing his only child. There are hints, however, that this self-consciously patrician man who enjoyed compromise and was not struck by any reformist zeal was not quite as nice as this paternalism would initially suggest. This portrayal of his wife as something of a shrill madwoman seems a little too convenient for the times. He did have his own affairs. His dislike of change meant that somehow he managed to disapprove of the abolition of slavery and of giving a few slightly less posh people the vote. So was this conservatism just the result of a genial dislike for change that anyone could understand? Or was he just an intransigent and intolerable man with extremely unpalatable opinions and not quite so paternalistic after all? Well, he did legitimise the marriages of many people and he seemed to last in office because he offered a break from radical reform and offered a stability allowing that reform to bed in. It doesn't seem to have been enough to make him one of the greater prime ministers, but his role, at least in history, is assured for anyone watching any drama or documentary about the early life of Queen Victoria. That was a brief history of William Lamb, Viscount Melbourne as he's also known. Let me stress that this is just a quick introduction to the man who seems to have had a very interesting life, actually. So if anything takes your interest here, or you disagree, or want to do your own research, feel free. This is the first Victorian Prime Minister we've covered, but there are many more to come. So please subscribe or follow the podcast if you're interested. Don't forget to like it before you move on and help us to share it with other people. That would be much appreciated. But above all, thank you for listening, everyone. This was Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. Number 23, William Lamb, Viscount Melbourne and the women in his life. Goodbye.